What is up, Western? Welcome to SOS, where we break down the stigma on student issues and fill you in on the resources that often get lost in administration. Welcome, I'm Prableen. And my name is Becca. And together, we are your hosts on the Students on Services podcast. We are so excited because this is the first episode of a three-part series that we're going to be releasing over the next couple of days. Um, in this series, we're going to be talking to a few of the USC executive team members, which is super, super exciting. And today, we are so pumped because we're actually going to be talking to Zamir, who is the USC president. Hey, you two. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Zamir. My pronouns are he, him, and I am everyone's USC president for 41 more days. Not that I'm counting. Um, as USC president, I oversee the political and corporate side of the organization. So um, I'm the executive member that's been elected by the students for the students. It's my job day in and day out to advocate for students in all the meetings that I'm in. It's my responsibility to program for students. Um, and it's also my responsibility to make sure that the USC is functioning smoothly. Wow. Crazy. I'm really <laughs> glad that you agreed to do this podcast. I'm so excited to hear all of your thoughts about, you know, USC. I know you probably have some amazing things to add and talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. No, I am so gassed up because I, <laughs> when I was an intern at USA, I did um, a podcast on like racialized students' experiences in Ontario. And we did it all over Zoom. And this is like the the elevated version of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's no, awesome. I didn't actually know this existed. I think the people um, who were a VP before me um, came up with this, and I was like, damn, like, this is easy. <laughs> I was like, no, recording on Zoom is not – I don't know how people do that. That's mm. not – I didn't even realize that was an option until, until last time that we it did was, a podcast. It was, a, it was like, it was really fulfilling because I, I loved hearing what all the students from across Ontario had to say, but it was also a little bit challenging because we filmed over Zoom and then mm -hmm. I had to learn how to like edit videos. So I did <laughs> a free trial to this program called Filmora and I tried to learn oh. how to stitch everything together. I learned how to use Canva to make thumbnails for um, the, the YouTube uploads. I will yeah. say it did prepare me for running for president. Um, yeah, I no. had to do a lot of graphic stuff, but I realized that my strengths are in the social sciences. <laughs> Respect, same. <laughs> okay, so um, your role sounds pretty intense and it, it seems like it has very many aspects, but in your during your time in office, what was a really memorable experience or project that you um, had the opportunity to work on? I like to call this um, my exact legacy project because we're we're in the final steps of finalizing it, but then it's going to be up to the next team to to carry it out just based on the timelines that we're seeing with renovations. But it's called the USC Nest. Um, so we know that we have a lot of really, really meaningful wellness and equity services that students rely on. Oftentimes students prefer students uh, student led. Uh, programs just because that peer-to-peer -peer connection is is so strong um, but it, it's been hard to make it as accessible as possible uh, for students when some of our services are in person some of them don't have physical space at all but would like to be in person and some are online altogether so what we really tried to do is centralize all these resources in a physical space in the basement of the UCC so come September 
um, we're going to be having what we're calling the USC Nest um, in the basement of the UCC, and it's going to be home to the peer support center. It's going to be home to the peer programs. It's going to be home to our Upcycle Center, which is a new initiative that we're really, really excited to launch, where students are actually going to be able to donate gently used garments um, for us to be able to give out to students in need. It's also going to be home to what we're renaming food support services to um, the, the community pantry. And last but not least, for all of our sexual wellness resources, including Free the Dot, that's all going to have a physical home in the UCC. And I am so, so excited and proud of that, specifically all the work that Maddie has been putting in year-round on it. Um, so I would say if I had to pick one thing, because there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm proud of, I think that is one of the things that I'm most proud of because it's, it has the ability to, to directly impact the day-to-day -day lives of students. I love that. You know what? I feel like this is some spicy tea because I'm not going to lie. I was looking at the Get Involved page for like all the USC stuff. And I was looking specifically at like the wellness equity role. And there were like terms that I like was looking up and I was like, this isn't a thing at Western. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> we are really trying to put our money where our mouth is. Like we know that students like these peer-to-peer -peer supports and we also know that we have an obligation as an employer to be providing professional development opportunities for our students so this year we created a whole bunch of new roles like the one you just mentioned we also have um, a new role in communications for community engagement um, there's so many more opportunities available and I'm not sure when this podcast is dropping but um, coordinator, associate, and intern applications are still open. And I think what we really, really need at the USC is increased diversity. And so for whoever's listening to this, if the apps are still open, please, westernusc.ca, apply, 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 because Calista likes to, likes to say, and I, I, love the, I love the expression, but we're really looking for the next generation of student leaders. Wow. Uh, when, does, when do the apps close just for... So um, they were supposed to close today and uh, and or last night, so the thirtieth. But um, in the morning, I feel like I'm name dropping all of my executives, but <laughs> we are just like super close in in the work we do. But Ziana has been inundated by messages today asking for um, extensions for the applications, and I don't think we're in a rush. Like the more people that want to get involved, mm -hmm. the merrier. And so we're this afternoon having a meeting to to find some new timelines so i would just say follow western usc on social media and you'll be able to hear the dates that we ultimately settle on um but there will be so many more opportunities even after that initial hiring is done because then we start hiring for our committees and mm -hmm. soft hiring is actually starting very very soon that's a tidbit for you guys to hear first as well <laughs> so there's so many opportunities you just have to make sure you're um remaining engaged on our social media. That's awesome. I love I love all that information. Um, you know, I'm glad that you're bringing that stuff up. And I think it's important that, you know, students feel like, you know, empowered to apply to these roles because they're really so rewarding and you get to do like, you know, things that you wouldn't get to do like outside of university, really. Like it's just, it's a completely different, um, it's like a completely different experience because again, like you said, you're working for the students as a student. So it's really, yeah. it's a great, it's like a unique perspective. It's so meaningful. Um, I I go to bed feeling good about the work I'm able to do, which I really, really appreciate. But I think on top of that too, it really helps you find 
connections, peers, and community. I know personally speaking, when I came to Western, I was initially enrolled in MedSci, and then I transferred it to HealthSci, and then I took an elective in philosophy, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually am very passionate about equity and social justice work, and I transferred into social science. Mm -hmm. And so coming into second year, I didn't really have a lot of friends in my faculty, and I didn't really know who to turn to for support. So I got involved with the Social Science Students Council and I was their secretary at first. And that was my first ever extracurricular at Western. And the, the friends that I made there and by extension, uh, the friends that I made at the USC are some of like my closest friends today. And they really helped me find my path at Western. So I think, yes, these are great opportunities because they help you give back but they also can help you directly mm -hmm. um, so, so much. Um, you kind of like segued into like an interesting, or an interesting topic, I guess. Um, I think that like a lot of people when looking at applying to these roles, they kind of have, it, I, I want to say imposter syndrome, but that might not be the be best term for it. But like, to me, it's absolutely crazy what you're doing. Like I look at myself and I think I could never, but yeah. realistically, like, I'm assuming that you've had some, you know, student life struggles, um, especially during the pandemic. And I was just wondering if you'd be willing to share a couple of those. Well, you know what? Let's start with imposter syndrome. Um, because <laughs> that's, that's very real. Um, and I remember when I was walking into the role, I didn't really appreciate just how real it can be. Um, but... Let's be honest, USC presidents tend to represent a particular identity. And I am the first openly gay USC president. I believe I'm the seventh racialized one. And I'm not saying that in, you know, to get a pat on the back, but I'm saying that to say that these roles have not always been very inclusive. And they've built in, they've been built in such a way that um, we often reinforce uh, barriers inadvertently, more often than not. Um, but that's a reality. And so when I came into the role, I wasn't even sure. Or so I'll start with the election. When I ran in the election, <laughs> I wasn't sure if students would see value in my leadership, if they would see value in my positionality, or if I'd be tokenized. Because I don't want to be elected just because I'm gay. I didn't want to be elected just because I'm brown or Muslim. I wanted to be elected because I'm all those things, but most importantly, qualified. And those positionalities just give me an additional lens through which I can understand the student experience. And what I learned during election season is that the imposter syndrome is real, and I think it's rooted in the structure and the history of the organization, but our campus community has grown and evolved so much over the years that I felt nothing but love and support running, <laughs> and I also felt nothing but love and support once I'm in the role, even from folks that I didn't always know I'd get along with. Um, the fact that I'm able to not just work with Callista, but share such a deep friendship with her, even though we ran against each other, I think just speaks to the, the culture we have at the USC of community and friendship. And so, yes, the feelings are valid, but you will have so many supports once and if you get involved, that'll help you overcome those feelings. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is really beautiful. <laughs> um, 
um so we have another question um mm -hmm. it's kind of like what rebecca was already saying but what do you think you struggled with the most during the pandemic or um and how did that like inform kind of what you did during um your yeah. time in office so i think for me um i am a very social extroverted person <laughs> i really really need human contact to get fulfillment from my day to day. Um, and that was really tough in the pandemic. Um, for the entirety of my fourth year, it was me and my two roommates camping it out in our <laughs> student rental. Without too much exposure to the outside world, we weren't able to go to the Barney's patio, which I believe is the best patio in the city. We weren't able to shake it at seeps. Um, a lot of the things that I had really hoped for in my final year. Um, and I get that those are sometimes like superficial examples, but that's what brings me joy. Um, yeah. And I, I love being able to do those things in my spare time. And the fact that I couldn't was a, was a huge struggle. So I got a dog, <laughs> which, which I don't always recommend. My mom uh, used to raise German Shepherds um, back home in Tanzania. So she was... Um, very supportive and, and willing to help me. I think dogs are a lot of work when you're in your fourth year, so I don't recommend it unless you have a very strong support system. But in terms of how that influenced my role at the USC is it really stressed the importance for me of creating opportunities for community building to occur because there are almost three years worth of students who don't or haven't experienced Western in the way that it traditionally has been experienced. And so my team and I worked a lot on community building, yes, through programming, but also through our services, um, like our peer programs, like Team USC, which was relaunched under my portfolio this year. Um, I think COVID obviously threw us for a, a bit of a, I believe the expression is loop. Um, because we are still in it and I wasn't able to really facilitate in-person programming um, as much as I think students and I would have wanted, but it, it was super important to make sure we're keeping the community safe. Um, but I think it, it, it made us think critically about the ways in which we can also form community in online and hybrid formats. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of success in that, but I'm very excited to see next year what the student experience is going to look like. For yeah. sure. For sure. Um, do you think that um, like there's benefits to like, I guess, maintaining the online services? Like, do you think that there should be options for services to be offered online, even, even when COVID's all gone? 1000%. <laughs> I think walking into COVID, um, a lot of the, services that support students and that also form community for students weren't always accessible to um, equity deserving communities such as students with disabilities or um, such as mature students who um, have commitments outside of their undergraduate education um, and the list really goes on and so making sure that we have online complements or supplements to our programming as well as hybrid options is so important because it makes sure that more people 
can engage in um, the programming we do, the services we offer to enhance their student experience. I think we're just bringing more and more people in the more avenues we provide for engagement. That's, I mean, that's a great, that's a great point because I really <clears throat> do think that uh, COVID illuminated some of those issues, like for example, accessibility and we got, we were forced to be creative and actually like make some positive changes to how, um, you know, we're um, making our services accessible to students. So I think that's a hundred percent. And I think a piece that's also not talked about enough when it comes to COVID is um, when the pandemic initially hit, the government of Canada actually surveyed students and they saw that so, so many students lost income sources. They lost mm -hmm. jobs. They struggled to find summer employment or long-term employment. And it created a lot of affordability issues for students. And the really cool thing about online and hybrid programming is that it's accessible to all. Um, so long as though the infrastructure is there, like um, the hardware itself and high-speed um, internet. And so we know that campus um, provides a high-speed internet. We know that we can support students in, in finding the tools they need uh, to connect online. Um, but I think when students are grappling with affordability concerns, I don't think it's fair to always ask them to have to pay tickets for an event or to pay for their transportation to participate in a networking opportunity or so forth. And being able to simultaneously have those opportunities online, I think also really, really um, helps low-income students. And that's, that's really important to acknowledge as well. And I, I don't think it's always been um, a consideration as explicitly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is important about student-led services? And like, do you think they're good models for greater society and for like students who will slowly integrate into the real world after university? Yeah, I think peer-to-peer -peer supports are so important because no one, especially on the university context, no one understands what it's like navigating an undergraduate degree or professional degree like someone else who's in the same shoes. Um, it's it's being able to connect on the basis of lived experience that gives peer support so much value and what drives students to actually rely on those resources. I think when you couple that with um, living in a city whose mental health infrastructure is extremely strained, plus a university um, in which students sometimes lack trust in the resources provided by the institution, that reinforces the demand and the need for these services. Um, I don't think they're the be all and end all. I think that we need to be centric to the students we're supporting. So if they don't want to rely on peer-to-peer -peer supports, I love that Peer Support Center acts as a referral to the appropriate resources that the students are looking for. But I think what's really important is making sure that students and more broadly, Londoners, community members, citizens of whatever city they're in have access to a diversity of support resources so that they're able to support their healing or justice process or mental health journey in a way that meets their unique needs in light of their unique lived and learned experiences. Um, just a follow-up question, because you kind of talked about how peer-to-peer -peer support services influence peers that are seeking um, the support services. How do you think that these services influence um, peers that choose to offer their time to assist with these resources? 
I think there's there's many many uh, you know reasons. Um, I think that a it helps find like-minded community members. I think b it allows you to find a way to give back. I think C, it helps you to develop. I know a lot of our peer support volunteers and food support service volunteers are aspiring uh, social work students. Um, and oftentimes to get into those programs, you do need about a year's worth of professional experience. Um, and so this is a great way of actually developing those skills and, and getting those experiences. Um, and, and that's just me trying to connect the work we do at peer support to the overall goal of the USC to support the professional development of students as well. But I think the reason why every volunteer gets involved is unique um, and is important. And I think what I've hit on are just three of the reasons. And I'm confident that there are so many more. Absolutely. Um, could you share some thoughts on any new USC resources or services? I know you mentioned um, USC Nest right yes. um that have been implemented this past year and yeah. you know maybe what are your favorite usc services that you would recommend to western fellow students okay um so in terms of new resources i would say i have two that i want to highlight <laughs> and next year they're both going to be under the university affairs portfolio the first is the Student Development Network. So that's something that was launched um, this year. And the goal of the Student Development Network is to be able to support students in their professional development. So we do networking sessions, uh, we do career building conferences, um, we do social media campaigns that all seek to help Western students um, find out what to do um, post-grad. How do you turn your education and your degree into a career that's fulfilling? Um, simultaneously, it also tries to um, bolster civic engagement. So we launched it this year um, in and about the time when the federal election was happening, and we were able to um, complement the main USC messaging about it's important to vote, you should vote, here's how to vote, with context on why to vote, who are you voting for? What does a member of parliament do? Where can you learn more about your members of parliament and your candidates? What does the How does the party system influence the elections, if at all? Um, and the answer is it does. Um, but point being, um, I think that um, program is already doing so much um, to, to prepare students for life outside of the campus. Um, and I also can't wait to see where that goes. The second is the Student Appeal Support Center, also under the University uh, Affairs Portfolio. And that center um, really helps students navigate issues related to academic integrity. I don't think that our students get enough training on academic integrity or on how to navigate an appeals process. Um, I think that's reinforced by the feedback we've been getting through our consultations, as well as through um, the uh, reports coming from the Ombudsperson Office that um, students are relying increasingly on supports related to uh, navigating appeals. So there's clearly a demand for this service, and we are just trying to fill the gap by providing a peer-to-peer -peer support service as well, which is um, confidential, non-judgmental, um, 
which is more than I can say for some other services that exist. <laughs> um, and that's that's me trying to put it very, very nicely. Um, but again, the point being, we're just trying to provide students with options. If you don't want to use the service, don't. But let us help you connect with the resources that are pre-existing that you might not know about. So for example, um, students often don't know that the Western uh, Law Department faculty um, can actually support students in a lot of their appeals processes. And this is just not something that um, is easy to communicate. It's not something that's like flashy to communicate. And so the word doesn't often get out. But that's where I think this program comes into play because we're able to pass on that information even if we're not the ones uh, providing the support to students. In terms of my favorites, you're going to get me canceled, um, <laughs> but luckily I'm on my way out, so I'll be honest with you folks. I firmly believe that it is um, a tie between food support services and peer support center um, because of the value of these peer-to-peer -peer supports. It's a heartbreaking reality that so many of our students um, struggle with mental health, struggle with their wellness, struggle with food security. And what's even more devastating is that there aren't adequate resources on and off campus to help meet these students' needs. And so the fact that the USC is able to do that, your student government is able to do that, I think is so meaningful. I think it speaks to why the USC exists. I understand that the programming is fun. The parties are fun. Um, <laughs> who doesn't love Purple Fest? But at the end of the day, if you take that all away and you keep these peer-to-peer -peer supports, I think we're meeting our mandate. I think we're doing exactly what we need to be doing as an organization. The rest is all nice to have. For sure. Well, um, I don't think we want to take any more of your time. I know that this is supposed to be like a 30 minute ordeal and we've kind of hit that point. But I just wanted to say thank you, Zamir, so much for taking the time out of your day. You are very welcome. But no, thank you two for having me. I was so gassed up when I got this email. So I'm really happy that I could do this with you too. No, we are actually really, we are gassed up that you would actually come here and you know let us interview you and see your thoughts on USC. And you've offered us a lot of insight that I think not a lot of people can offer as a USC president. Um, and, um, you know, thank you so much for joining us. And that's a wrap. Tune back in on Monday. We're going to be having another discussion with Maddie, who is our VP of Student Support and Programming. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.